0: You are listening to the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a Venice-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating Ventus race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host, Aaron Mack, to other co-hosts. He has a big old smile on his face right now, but you've probably seen him coming out of a great club with a big old smile on his face, and you've seen him hmm. at a dirt track. He is a one and only Scott Bowie.
1: Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing good as you can tell. I actually did go get my haircut. I noticed. So uh hence the smile, right? Yep. So before we get
0: anything else, want to thank everyone for watching and listening. If you haven't already, hit like and subscribe on YouTube. Also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where podcasts can be found. We appreciate all the support. Also, we'll give a quick shout out to RacerCollect.com patrick Patton, great guy definitely check them out if you look for any racing memorabilia um you know a lot of the stuff comes directly from the driver so you know it's legit and authentic so definitely check out racercollect.com
1: yeah absolutely we've discussed this before but it, it's i mean like aaron said it is directly more than more than not most of the product is directly from the racers themselves
0: so we have a great show today. Um, this is one of, this might be our first, I, I'm trying to remember. Have we, I don't know if we've had a show so, where we've had two guests. Um, well, our I Indy 500 preview show, we kind of did. So we had a couple yeah. roundabout way. But Kevin Lee and Jackson Lee, obviously, if you've been around racing for a while, you know who Kevin Lee is. Um, You know, TV announcer, been in radio for a while you know he's done pacer games colts games i believe you name it you know he's definitely been around that aspect of just sports in general and um you know doing tv and radio so it was great talking to him and his son jackson um is you know coming through the ranks of road to indy and he's currently in usf 2000 with Kate motorsports so it was really cool to talk to both of them um and you know just, I mean you'll see in the interview you know great interview
1: it is a great interview, and I think it is an interesting perspective to talk to mm-hmm. the father and the son, sure, um, as they are navigating this together, and they they are very much a team. And uh, you know, as Aaron mentioned, uh, uh, Kevin, it, I mean, he's been in Indiana sports, you know, since he was pretty young, and you know, local people in you know, local the Indianapolis, Indiana area they've, heard his voice for years you know it becomes like a familiar voice that you hear on the radio and then if you watch the indycar broadcast that's where thing well he's a familiar voice you hear uh during the races and uh but it was really interesting to see them in that light you know as they're trying to go racing and and uh man they do such a great job in getting sponsors and doing uh sponsor retention programs and and uh I mean, if you look at their car, it's full of, you know, they have it's a couple of bigger sponsors, but it's full of, like, local sponsors and that type of thing, and which is such a cool way to help build uh, your brand in the community, and uh, they work hard. I just see, like, he, I believe he was at a sign, like, doing a signing over the weekend at Healthplex, I think, um, yeah. and he has some other things that he's he's, I know he's been doing signings at, and Um, so yeah, it was really, really nice to see that and really nice to talk to him.
0: Absolutely. So only big racing news, obviously we'll talk about it here in a second, IndyCar weekend coming up, but real quick, Daytona 500 this past weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty good race, pretty good finish. Obviously Austin Cindric gets his first win, and in his first, I mean that I think, well, it's his first full time, but I think this is his first actual cup race too, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So great definitely way to, his first
1: Daytona 500. He is oh a rookie, yeah. so
0: great way to start wow. out your your first race, winning the Daytona 500
1: yeah. <laughs> for sure. You set the bar pretty high at that point.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you know he's definitely with a great team, and he's definitely gonna you know do do some great things. And it's kind of ironic because he kind of started out on the road to Indy Series.
1: He did start in the road to Indy Series, uh, and you know for whatever reason, I, you know he he chose to go uh stock car racing nascar and uh it sure paid off in the long run for him because uh he's had a i mean wow i mean what do you say i mean how can you i mean it's just unbelievable right For somebody that young and and, um (laughs) right in the first race it was roger penske's birthday roger just doing what he does is collecting trophies you know wins he's won the first two he won the first new gen car race at the clash. And then now he takes the first points paying race at Daytona. I and mean, it's just what Roger does. He just wins trophies and takes those big checks and cashes them. And that's who he is.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So, um, obviously, like we said, Grand um, St. Pete is this weekend. You're actually going to be there. I will be, uh, we'll be down there with a friend of the show, uh, Jagger Jones. Uh, watching, hopefully, he'll have a, a great weekend. His teammate is Jackson Lee, uh, and hopefully, he has a great weekend as well. Um, Michael D. Orlando has been fast in, in testing, and uh, they added a new uh, driver, Nikki Hayes, uh, and he looks to be very fast as well. So, Cape Motorsports should have a, a great lineup in uh, St. Pete, and uh, just man just looking forward to going down there and having fun and catching the race and um hopefully come away uh happy for one of the four i mentioned that's for sure but there's a lot of great drivers in that series so anybody a wins would be great but um that's a big field too i think it's 20 plus cars i think what they'll probably have for that and, and uh, you'll have the IndyCar race, um, on Sunday, obviously. And, and, USF 2000 runs two days. They'll have two races. So it'd be a busy weekend.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the IndyCar race, um, a lot of people are anticipating that. I think last year, all the different winners, um, I think it's going to be another great season and, uh, yeah, it really will
1: be a, what happens. Yeah. It's going to be really nice to see how this, uh, season starts off. Colton Hurdle, obviously, is the man right now. I mean, everybody's kind of picking him to really go out and dominate this year. And, and I think Pelo's thinking to himself, no, wait a second now. I'm pretty good too. And then Patricia Ward, another super fast young driver, plus, uh, Devlin francesco mm-hmm. Kyle Kirkwood. I mean, it's a, a, you know, as far as a young driving crop, what a great crop of young drivers. And then you've got, all the veterans that are still there. So, I mean, it is going to be, that is going to be a close, close field. And um, I see that, that somebody released a power ranking saying, you know, how the people do and they listed Dixon like fifth or sixth in power rankings. I was like, whew, that's a little, little rough, but all right, let's see how it goes. Right. Yeah. So we're definitely um,
0: look forward to, I'll definitely be watching the USF 2000 race because I think they put all that on YouTube.
1: So it is on YouTube. There's a channel. Um, I I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's Road to Indy or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but if you go to YouTube, you can find the USF 2000 races live. Uh, Awesome. Yeah,
0: I'll definitely, I'll definitely be watching that. Well, um, yeah, so we're going to actually say who's going to be our guest next week. So we were fortunate enough to, um cats back up with paul page and this was actually recorded back in december um around christmas time so you know it's been a while but we had a bunch of interviews that we recorded in december that were still you know kind of releasing um and we actually just we actually just recorded another great interview um right before we did this intro that'll be coming out in a few weeks as well and man what a great interview that was
1: yeah it was uh i shouldn't say unexpected it was just somebody i didn't know that well yeah. I I'd known known of him obviously, and I didn't know him very known. notable name, right, right? Yeah, right. And it was uh it was a talk that was way better than I I thought it was going to be because I didn't know what to expect. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? He was very, very, very generous and kind with his time, and uh, very nice, and and just glad that uh, we got to speak with him. But Paul, Paul's such such a fun interview such a fun talk and uh it's really glad to be able to catch up with him again hopefully we'll catch up with him again around 500 times absolutely um yeah so i hope everybody enjoys this because we sure did oh yeah
0: well um yeah so i hope everyone enjoys uh kevin and jackson Lee interview like we said please hit like and subscribe if you haven't already and stay tuned for the coming weeks because we definitely have some other interviews we're working on getting and have a lot of ones we've already recorded that will be coming out soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Please, please do. And uh, please, if you have time, catch one or both of the the USF 2000 races this weekend. Um, You know, they they put on good shows. So uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. Today, we are
0: joined by radio and television announcer Kevin Lee, along with his son Jackson Lee, who's driving in the USF Two Thousand Championship in twenty twenty two with Kate Motorsports. Thank you guys so much um, for joining us. How are you guys doing? Very
2: good. Thanks good, thank us. you.
1: So, and thanks well, for coming in.
0: So, obviously, um, Kevin, you've you've been involved in motorsports for quite some time. First off, talk a little bit about how did you
2: first get interested in motorsports. Uh, I live in Indianapolis. And in all honesty, my background is more baseball, basketball, football. I was an Indy 500 fan, but I'm not going to pretend like I was a big motorsports fan. But when I started my internship my senior year in college with a big radio station in Indianapolis, it began in May. And that was my assignment. First day was go to the track, go find Mario Andretti, try to get sound bites with him, you know, and so forth. So that was my indoctrination to motorsports. And then uh, after working at a small station for a couple of years, I went back to WIBC uh, working on Pacers and Colts broadcasts. But in May each year, that was the assignment that you, you needed to help out with the coverage for the 500. And that was pretty much all of it. But eventually I, I started taking a liking to it, understood it a little bit more, and then kind of realized it was an opportunity to expand my, my, my opportunities that everyone wants to be a baseball, basketball, football announcer. Not everyone can do motorsports. So the first year that it looked like the Pacers either wouldn't make the playoffs or would have a short run, and I knew I would be more available, I called the IMS radio network and said, hey, if you need me, I'm available to be a turn announcer. And they said, okay. So that's what I did. I started off as one of the turn announcers for radio did that for a couple of years and said, I'd like to do this full time. So that involved moving to the pits. And then that eventually led to television. So I kind of used Vince Welch as an example, too. Vince and I worked at the same radio station. He was my boss. And I had seen what he had done. And he, he probably was a little more of a motorsports fan, but he was really more of a baseball, basketball, football guy. But he's working in indie, starts doing more. And that became
1: his niche as well. You've had the the great pleasure, because you mentioned working with Pacers, and you've had the great pleasure, uh, and I realize this is about racing, but of working with two, I would say, amazing legends in this town. And uh, one would be Donald Davison, and the other would be Slick Leonard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I just uh, – Slick, I just thought, was one of the coolest guys. Obviously, I didn't know him, but uh, – I just I, I thought about that before was like how you got to really kind of interact with both and I, I just always found that amazing. but well, I've, anyway. I' pretty fortunate. It goes beyond those guys you know I would include the Jerry
2: sure. Bakers, the Bob Lameys of the world, Don Fisher. Um, but yeah sitting next to Slick for 20 years at Pacer games was pretty cool and and Donald, I got to know during my internship at WIBC and he actually had recommended me to Bob Jenkins in 1996 so i was just barely out of school and this is a uh, kind of a learning experience I, I had a voicemail message from bob if i wanted to interview for a job at the radio network for the 500 so we come in and he says so how much do you know about racing and i said eh not that much but i can learn so i didn't get that job uh so then i approached him <laughs> again about four years later so i, I should have lied like everyone else does and said, I'm an expert. I know everything about it, uh, but that was pretty cool. And I'm sure that's because Donald had recommended me to Bob because Bob oh, didn't awesome. know me at the time and Bob ended up being, you know, he's in that list too. Bob was a very, very close friend.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I, again, this is a man I didn't know very well, but I was around him a little bit just through auto racing and uh, man, what a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jackson, as you've seen your dad, uh, be around all these sports figures and been around the Pacers, you know, the Colts, the, the IndyCar deal, what made you, what drew you into racing? I mean, cause you could have had expert expertise from so many different people and so many different sports and, and what kind of drew you into racing?
3: Well, I think a big part of it was I was too small to play football and I wasn't quite good enough to play basketball. Um, but, a big part of my uh, my passion for racing, you know, I've I've watched Dad on TV um, growing up, but also on my mom's side of the family, I've got cousins and uncles who race sprint cars growing up. So I've just been around racing my whole life, and for whatever reason, that's just what stuck, and I, I just had a something special with racing. Um, and yeah, I did I did have a lot of fun playing basketball and baseball growing up, but just for for whatever reason, I just had a I really enjoyed racing and I wanted to put my focus towards becoming a professional race car driver pretty much from when I started back when I was seven or so. Um and it's it just grew from there.
2: I didn't push the racing, I pushed basketball and baseball (laughs) because it's a lot cheaper. And he did that uh, you know, kind of rec stuff and up through he played baseball a little bit in high school, but racing was always what he wanted to do.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, right? (laughs) Of all the things, unfortunately it was racing. Hey, who was your relatives uh, in the sprint cars, Ned? I, I, I'm familiar with the sprint car market.
3: Uh, my uncle, Steve Immel, and then my cousin, uh, um, Sam Immel, were the, two, okay. um, the sure. two who ran sprint cars. And then I had uh, my grandpa and run go-karts, and they all did that growing up. But um, I think it was one of my my cousin's sprint car races that I remember I went to, and where that's where I really, you know, got the idea that, Hey, maybe, maybe this is something that I'd want to try.
1: Yeah. I no, cars- I, I have a, I have a big background for cars in that. So that's awesome. Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, you're good. Um, so did you start racing
0: go-karts in or did you do any like quarter midgets?
3: Yeah, I started in quarter midgets. Um, and it, yeah, it was just from, um, when I found out my cousin started when he was seven back in quarter midgets, I was like, wait, so I can do this too. And that, that was, <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, how that got started.
1: So, and then Kevin got to push it around the track every time it stopped and he got to be a flagman at many, and he got to do all the jobs out there. I
2: don't know if I was ever a flagman. I, I was a corner observer, things like that. Yeah. You would do that. But yeah, that was interesting. Trying not, not to get run over.
1: Oh man. Yeah. I've, I've seen that before. That's a, that's a treat, man. These little kids out there running around and the parents are whoever's out there trying to push start the the Car that stopped. Yeah, we, so, we
2: made him wait till he was almost eight. Uh, I know some of them do it when they're four and five. I just didn't see the sense in that. Uh, it, it seemed a no. little bit
1: too early to me. No, I I absolutely agree. I mean, it's like anything else. Some kids are can do it at five, but by eight, you can get a real sense of yeah, they can kind of learn a little bit better than that. Did so um, I in so with you being a local. You know, on local radio and that. So we've kind of, I've kind of listened to your career since the beginning. You know, as your dad would talk about, yeah, we did this this weekend. We kind of did that. And it you could, you know, from where it started as a hobby and just going having fun, and you could tell it was getting a little more serious and a little more serious as you went. And um, so, what, what, where did you first start running go karts at?
3: Uh, out at Newcastle. Um, that's okay. you know. It's, it's a really great track, and sure. in my opinion, on the go-kart side, there's really no reason to leave Newcastle. There's you know drivers like Joseph Newgarn and Connor Daly got their starts there, and you can just learn so much from the different configurations and all the competition that travels to Newcastle. Um, just the amount you can learn there is plenty. There's no reason to go and race national races, because even if you win, once you move up to Formula Cars, it's you know about what you can do at that level they don't really care about what's on your resume at that point.
1: Uh, Plus Dismores are so sharp and been in it for so long Mm -hmm. I mean you can't you can't get better track owners mentors that type of thing so.
2: And the best
1: facility you're gonna find too you know it makes it a lot easier if you're gonna spend your whole weekend out there there's
2: a nice restaurant we had a garage so I didn't have to mess with a trailer anymore and Joseph Newgarden's dad, you know, gave me good advice in that. And he said, don't waste your money running national. That's all we did. We just left the cart up there and we would drive from Nashville every weekend and did that for a few years and then went into junior formula car racing. So he saved a lot of money that way.
1: You can spend $150,000,
2: $250,000 a year, but no one, when you get into car racing, is asking how many go-kart races you won. They just want to know, well, one, can you pay for it? And then two, are you quick enough?
1: And you're like, well, I could have paid for it if I wouldn't have spent all that money. <laughs> exactly. Cars. Yeah. So, and, and that brings up another interesting point to racing. It's kind of the, the worst kept secret of motorsports. It's all driven on money. It's all money dependent. And here you are, young guys, young team. Um, and then you first start kind of running across that. And then you got to start doing that money chase a little bit that everybody goes through. It isn't, you know, except for the ones who have big checkbooks to begin with, the, the people who don't, obviously they all have to do a money chase. And what what is that kind of like to evolve into that? As you know, you start trying to, all of a sudden you, you have to start kind of making relationships that, you know, work for you. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you, you're, you're trying to make different things work for you. And was that a tough thing to do or is that something that, you know, because some people have a real hard time with that. It's very difficult because I'm not a salesman.
2: I don't want to be a salesman. Um, That's why I do what I do. I don't have a real job. Uh, You know, sales was something I figured I could probably do if I had to, but don't really want to. But if he's going to drive, I have to be able to sell and he has to be able to sell himself. So it really started commercially pretty early on because we didn't even have the money to do go-karting properly and i think that's one of the things that helped him when he got into car racing in equally prepared cars arrive and drive uh which is what the lucas oil formula car series is it's you know it's like the old skip barber so he had been running go-karts and you know never had a new chassis never had a new engine ran old tires and and frankly didn't win a whole lot but then he shows up an arrive and drive with all these kids that are used to having better equipment and he was faster than them uh so probably running on inferior equipment helped a little bit but the point is that we've tried to find and you know back in the day it was a hundred dollars 200 500 whatever you could for sponsorship and and admittedly we have an advantage over other junior formula drivers because i have a bit of a platform and i'll slide in mentions on my radio show and we have social media but when you start getting into the big numbers, it's still about you have to look at it. At what can you do for them? What kind of return can you have for them? And that's what Jackson is trying to learn as well. And I'm hoping sooner rather than later, he'll take over that part of the business fully. But, but he's learning it right now. So that's good.
3: Yeah, it's, it's certainly been something that I've just been trying to grow on each year. Um, I think right when I kind of moved into the formula car levels, when we really started to try and develop those skills because before go-karting there wasn't really you know I I had no clue where I was supposed to even start as far as trying to um, reach out to a partner and what we can offer them because if you can't figure that out then it's tough to really show your partner what you can do for them and really have it make a ton of sense for them Um, but I've been learning every year and I think um, dad's Relationship with IndyCar and the drivers that he's seen come up through the ranks and how they've made it have been a big help. Um, and now it's just a process of trying to learn and get, get better at it each year.
2: And if you see his car, you see a lot of logos on that car. We're pretty much all partner driven, and that's that's what I do in the off season. So when
0: you so when Jackson started um, kind of his journey, Kevin, I'm sure you kind of you know had an idea. I'm kind of like a roadmap of, you know, how things would go. Would you say that, you know, it's, it's kind of gone kind of according to how you envisioned, or I'm sure there's been some roadblocks along the way, you know, you're talking about funding and stuff, kind of talk about that a little bit.
2: No, I don't think there was a roadmap and I didn't have a plan. This is still year to year. He started right. in quarter midgets because we thought that would be fun. And we were going back and forth from baseball fields and basketball gyms. He, he had a lot of Saturdays where he would play two basketball games, have a baseball practice and go test the quarter midget or run a go-kart race or whatever. So he was, you know, trying to do a little bit of everything. And, you know, again, he didn't win big. His last year in quarter midgets, we we changed. We had someone else that kind of figured out how to give him a good setup. And he won pretty big that year. And then we moved into go-karts and a little bit of success, but not a whole lot of wins. So it was, all right, we'll give you a chance. We'll send you to this carts to car shootout. We had done three or four test days in a formula car and we'll find out if you're any good. And I, I, I kind of thought, you know, in reality, well, at least I gave him a chance, but the chances of you beating these kids that race 40 weekends a year when he raced 15 weekends a year didn't seem that likely, but he did well and then it's, okay, how can we pay for this? And then it was, we'll go through this level. That works. Then we'll do F-1600. He won there. Then he wins the Team USA scholarship. And then it's on. And now it's, okay. I guess we can envision trying to do this professionally. But a lot of people will say, you know, what's your plan for IndyCar? You need to start talking to IndyCar owners about Jackson. And I I, I don't think they care about someone in USF 2000 right now. Yes, they might pay attention a little bit. But I, I like to look at it one step at a time. Let's get through this level. We'll try to get to the next. If that goes well, we'll go to the one after that. Uh, you, You can't try to fund it down the road. I have no idea how we've raised the amount of funding that we have so far. I didn't think that was possible, but we did. So now I guess my thought would be if he's good enough to advance to the next level, maybe we can figure that out as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's what you have to, how you have to go about it. I mean, in your mind, you can always lay out whatever roadmap you want, but reality is always different than than how you think it's going to be. Right? Um, you know, we we had uh, Antron Brown on recently. We just released a show with him, and and he has a great story uh, talking about how he went about getting sponsors and as a kid. And uh, he's really getting into mentoring. He really would like to mentor younger drivers. Um, I would suggest any young driver take five minutes and speak with Antron Brown hmm. um, because he is, in my opinion, he's he's the best I ever met at yeah. um, just his interpersonal, how he deals with people interpersonally, and uh, and he believes in himself and all those type of things. And I know this is about you, so I don't want to get too far down the road. But I would try to. Seek out a mentor like Antron and speak with him. Okay, That's I don't know I
2: mean. him. I've maybe met him once. Um, I think he lives somewhere near us. I think he probably he, lives in Brownsburg or Avon, or
1: yeah, I think he lives in Pittsburgh yeah. that area.
2: Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. He's a he's a good man, a man of his word. And like I said, we just released a show. You, if you guys find time, watch it. Like I can say he's got a great story in there. And uh, anyway, he's a um, so, you know, you you've run for, but this is probably what your fourth year, third year of these type of cars. The, yeah, I did the. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, I did the the one season in the Lucas Oil, along with the the season in F1600, and then my first season in USF2000 last year. So this will be my fourth full season in some sort of Formula car.
1: The um, and this is your second year in USF2000, right? Correct. Is exactly. that you've um. And as you went on your journey um this year, you, you've moved to Cape Motorsports. Um and I and I had to I was very fortunate to Aaron and I were both very fortunate to spend some time in their garage. Uh, and that's how I got to talking to your dad. And um kind of tell me. What it's like to when you start working with these more professional teams, I'm not saying the team you worked with last year. I'm not even sure who you drove with last year is a professional. They may be as professional as anybody else. I'm, like I said, I'm not sure who you worked with. But as you've went from carts to on your journey, what's that been like trying to now learn a little more of what it takes as far as working with these people and analyzing and studying yourself? And uh, kind of expanding out your knowledge range.
3: Well, it is a it is a little weird when I first moved into Formula Cars and having a team, um, that's sole purpose is to help me win. The I did I did find it a little strange how um you know I'd grown up in go cars and quarter minutes where I helped unpack the trailer and then I would clean up the car just at the end of the day and help pack the trailer up. And now, you know, I try to do everything I can to help, but they've got their system and their people who have already got the best ways to work out, um, their, their plans. So they're, you know, I'm not really needed in that sense. Um, and then having a team who helps me, you know, go over data and are doing all they can to help me win. um, it's certainly, it's certainly been a big help to my progression, um, and just having people who have been through it before and know what I need to do to be able to progress and to be able to win, it's been, it's been a, a big help. And, you know, being able to work with, with all the guys at Cape Motorsports over the past few months has been, you know, I, I, I can see the progression and just the few test days that I've done with them. Um, and I'm super excited over the next few months as testing continues to see how we progress. Um, I, think, I think there's potential for this to be a really good season and I'm, I'm super excited.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great program they have there. And what was it like kind of transferring, transitioning into team where, it, it, I always think it's so funny. They always call like your fellow drivers teammates, but you're, the best case scenario is frenemies, right? <laughs> I mean, you all have the same knowledge base you're working from for the most part and all that, but you, your job is to go out there and beat each other. And was that something difficult coming from someone who was more solo? and then now you you, you're transferring into more of a as close to a team atmosphere as you're going to get in auto racing
3: yeah well i my first year having a real teammate um was when i ran f1600 with um greg rice and my teammate simon sykes and we both worked really well together we were able to bounce um bounce feedback off of each other and figure out the best ways to make each other better and then on track we worked really well together and we weren't holding each other up. And most of the time it was the two blue cars, one, two, because of just how we work together. So, um, you know, you, it it is a a strange sport in the aspect of you can win and your teammate might not, or vice versa, but there are benefits to being able to work with your teammate and to be able to, to help each other out. You, you don't, you don't want to be going against them. You need to be able to use every advantage you can get and help each other out because the more you help your teammate, the more they'll help you. So it's, right. there's, there's, you know, you are trying to win, um, as much as you can, but you gotta, you, you can't be burning bridges in, in a sport like this.
2: And that was one of the many things that attracted us to Cape is because they tested together at Pabst, uh, back in October for a day. And then they both ended up together for the the Chris Griffiths test at IMS together uh, with Cape. And, you know, you need to know that your teammate is someone that's going to help you is going to work. You're going to work well with, and, you know, we could tell that Jagger's a good kid and we know he's fast. He's going to be good. So that seemed like a pretty good combination. And and Cape has always been in the championship mix. They had pretty much won it every year until a couple of years ago. The good thing about USF 2000 is now, you don't have to be with one team. Five years ago, you really had to be with Cape to have any chance, but two different teams have won it the last two years. And, you know, there are legitimately at least four teams that, that can win the championship. But the track record is there with Cape, and you kind of see, yeah, these, these guys know what they're doing. They're pretty polished.
1: Yeah, I really like uh, their approach. Um, it's very serious but it's laid back at the same time. Um, Dominic, Nicholas, Reggie, the core group there, plus the, the people that travel on the weekends and that. Um, I, I think just from a little bit of time I was around them, I, I really, I I personally really like kind of their style. They, they have, they know what they need. They know what they want done, but they, they're not looking to point fingers they're not looking to, you know, it's it's all about one thing—it's winning—and and that's what I really I, I took away from just those the few interactions I'd had with them. Um, yeah, I just think that's tough. It, it's always so tough too—is trying to make those right connections. Man, am I making the move at the right time? And is this the right team? And you know, I mean, and I'm sure all that is—it's like anything else. Right up until that first race day practice session. It's always kind of until you get everybody out there. Of course, Chris Griffin's test is a good measure, mm-hmm. but when you when you finally get everybody uh, together that first race, that's you know exactly where you stand at that point. So, and
2: sometimes a driver just fits a team's car a little bit better. You know, they're, they're going yeah, to adjust the car as much as they can, but you know, still in in a lower level series, especially when you're you're joining a team that has a track record. You know, I would expect them to say, "No, we know this car is pretty good. You get in there and figure out how to drive it." Right. So,
0: Jackson, um, kind of driving in different, you know, series and formula cars. Do you notice like a big, I don't know, shift in competition? Like, you know, in USF two thousand, did you notice like the competition was a lot greater, or did it seem kind of, you know, level with other series?
3: yeah for sure um you know when i raced in lucas soil and f1600 there were plenty of very talented drivers mm-hmm. but the volume of how good the drivers are and how deep into the field the talent is in usf 2000 is really next level and i mean i've raced over in europe for the team usa scholarship in the formula ford festival uh and walter hayes trophy and those guys are, those guys are all very talented, but just the amount of drivers in the USF 2000 field who can win and are capable of being very quick is it just doesn't compare to any other series right now. Um, it's the, the field is just super stacked and I, I'm, I'm, um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for me to learn and get better. Um, cause you, you, you get, you get better by racing against the best. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity to learn this year. Um and it's 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 gonna be a good season in that aspect.
0: As far as the cars go, um you know, kind of going through the ranks, or I mean, how how much different are the cars to drive? Like do they seem I mean, are they pretty much similar or obviously the further you kind of move up, the faster they obviously get?
3: Yeah, they are all similar in driving style. Um Mm -hmm. and you don't really notice the power too much. You know, maybe the first test session in the car you you can kind of pick up on that, but after that uh it's really just the how it, it, in the usf 2000 series it's the first time i've ran with wings and uh the cooper tires are uh they produce a lot more grip than the tires i'd ran on before so just learning how to take advantage of all that grip and be able to roll speed through the corner has been something i'd had to uh had to adapt to but as far as like the power and the the, the speed of the car it's not too much different
1: how did they do that um in because uh, I know they got the new tubs, so is it the same tub in juniors F2000, and then the next step, and then a different tub for Indy Lights?
3: So I believe this year we have a different USF Junior tub, um, and I think they're getting a new car next year. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same, um, and then the USF and Indy Pro have the same tub. Lights has a specific tub that's built by Delara rather than Tatis, and then okay. obviously the Indy car.
2: Yeah, the Indy Pro just has uh bigger tires, more power, different wings, but it is the same tub. And I think that's right. I think USF Juniors is supposed to have the same tub next year, but this year they're basically using the F4
1: tub. Yeah, that that would make sense into some of the conversations I've heard. Um I wasn't quite sure how that worked out. Yeah, you were you were talking earlier about all your uh, decals and uh and if anybody goes to your website, they will see how hard you guys have been working to get those local uh, uh, connections. With um, how, many, how many different sponsors would you say you have from Indiana, the Indiana-based sponsors?
3: Uh, I'd say on a primary level, maybe three or four. But then we've got um, a bunch of smaller supporters who have been yeah. with me for a while. Um, and we've got a few other supporters from all around the country who have helped me out, um, but they've all certainly been a big part of my career. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without, without the sponsorship support. So, you know, guys like right. the IU Simon comprehensive cancer center coming along this year, they're a big reason of why we're going to be able to race this year, along with returning partners, Browning Chapman, longtime supporters, Caldwell subways and Caldwell realties, uh, the spruce cold brew Calfi are uh, a big supporter. Um, and then along with Doug Mockett coming back for his second year, I think uh, we've got a really strong group of people supporting me and I, I'm super happy to be representing such such great brands.
2: Yeah, a couple of them actually are not from here and we just kind of stumbled into the, the he said Kalfi because that's kind of uh, their, their branding. It's a dairy farm in upstate New York that's okay. produced a cold brew coffee made with milk and high protein and it's called Spruce. And we would greatly appreciate if anyone buys some uh, and they use the code Jackson Lee 10 we get credit for that. So they've, they've been really nice to us. But I just happen to have a friend that was an investor. And as I've been going through my network and asking people, hey, do you know anybody that could potentially help us? I was introduced to Doug Young and the people at the farm and they came to a race and loved it. And they've been big supporters.
1: Man, that's awesome! And I gotta tell you, Jackson Jackson could probably do some TV and radio <laughs> if he wanted. He was pretty good at that. So my was- my buddy Vince's son Dylan is already in contention
2: to take oh, work from Vince. Dylan works with me on NBC, so I want him to do something
1: else for a while before he tries to take my job. <laughs> Dylan has had became quite the racer over the years too. He is yeah for especially for a little as he gets to do it now and he races he once or twice a year and he Chilly told me car, last you know, he, year he thought he was retired and then eh, i'm gonna do the chili bowl again so he's doing the chili bowl again would you uh now you unfortunately got a little bit of height problem to run midgets you'd have to we'd have to get you a little different car what uh if you ever would you ever like to get into a midget or sprint car not to say that I'm sure dad isn't too pumped to see you want to run one of those, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I don't know how the height
3: works in those cars, how tall you can be to drive one, but uh, I'd for sure love to do it. I don't, I, I know they'd let me do a midget at some point. And I think the Chili Bowl would be a great race to do at some point. I don't know about a sprint car. I know mom wouldn't be too happy with that one. Um, but yeah. it, it's certainly, you know, that's, you know, where my background is from on my mom's side. That's, you know, certainly something that I'd love to try someday, but you know, for now, I'll focus on getting to uh, get IndyCar or somewhere professionally. Yep. And then if the opportunity comes one day, sure. But for now, it's not our focus.
2: And, and it's hard. You know, you can't just be a race car driver and show up. You see what, uh, you know, a Connor Daly does. And, and Connor's has done it four or five times now where he's competent. But that first time out, it's really tough. Because we've had a couple of people ask if he'd be interested in running it. and And if I would have pushed it, they might have paid for it. But my thought has been... Hey, until we're fully funded, whatever cash you have, let's right. devote it to what we're, we're most focused in. If we ever get that fully funded, then maybe we can do some fun things. And and something like the Chili Bowl would be fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had midgets for a lot of years. And um, your height isn't really that big a deal. It, you're, it'd be getting the steering box height right for mm-hmm. your knees to get clearance and then getting tall enough cage uh, would be. I the, think he'd the fit. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely fit. It's it's a body type too, because some different body types. Yep. If you got a longer trunk, it makes it a little different than if you got longer legs and that. That um, so first race is about forty eight days away, something like that. Sounds right. Forty eight, something like that. Um, and as you're coming into your second season, I'm sure, I'm sure in your mind, this is kind of a season. Hey. I, th- last year i did it this year i need to i, I this year i want to go out and show everybody what i can do um what kind of mental preparedness do you start working on and about when do you start working on like do you do um oh uh, like you know focus you know where you're just doing doing reps in your mind as well as on the sim and uh like on a race weekend when do you kind of start getting into that zone
3: yeah, uh, well, over the off season, I haven't really stopped trying to prepare for the next season. I, uh, I go to PitFit here in Indy to train and um, keep myself prepared. Prepare, and they do um, they do a lot of cognitive drills to kind of keep your mind sharp and help your reaction times and your focus, especially after, you know, at the end of a race when you're tired, being able to still mentally perform is something that they focus on. Um, and then also, yeah, doing stuff with the SIM I've done, I've done some training in the past with the SIM with working on being able to stay focused and run quick lap times at the end of a long run. And when you're tired, um, as far as a race weekend goes though, it's, it's, um, I think it's important to not overthink and not kind of get in your own head. You definitely want to be focused. And, you know, when you have the opportunity to go over data and go and, talk through your driving with coaches. You, you have to take those opportunities and try and improve as much as you can. But in, at, at some point it gets to where you know what you have to do. You just have to go do it. So it's at that point, you know, you're just making sure you're eating right and getting good rest for the weekend and just go out and do it and just don't overthink it.
1: I like that approach. I mm-hmm. do. You know, you got to drive. I always feel you got to drive to your personality. So if your personality is that way, I think you got to do like that. And if you're a super intense guy, then that's how you kind of got to be. And I, I think trying to be a laid back guy and being super intense or just the opposite. I, I don't know if that always works for people. So I, I think that's great that you know exactly kind of how you want your weekends to go. Um, we know you guys got a heart out. Aaron, do you have any more uh, questions for him?
0: The only thing I was going to ask for Kevin is, so I, I know you're doing track side this year. Obviously you've done that for a while.
2: NBC sports, what other projects are you doing this year as far as broadcasting goes? So most of my work is now NBC. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a basketball game, a college basketball game for them last weekend. Might do something else again. I'm still freelance though. So that's also part of the hustle is just to kind of make sure that I have enough work. I have the ability to do things on different networks. I'm doing something uh, for a production company on, on Fox, on FS1 next month. Um, but since NBC picked up sports cars, that's really worked out pretty well with the IndyCar schedule. And I do at least the endurance sports car races and usually a few more. Uh, and I'm, I'm always looking to do a little bit more football and basketball, but it's tough. I can't do football because i missed too many of the games in the fall. You can't do a complete package because of the, the racing season. And there aren't as many basketball games available anymore because some of the announcers are doing the games from, like, right here. And they're doing two in a day or doing back-to-back days in different locations. COVID kind of taught the industry how to start saving more money and using fewer people. So that's been a a bit of a challenge. I'm hoping it goes back, but I'm not sure that it is. But I, I like the motorsports. As long as I have a full... IndyCar and sports car program, that's generally enough. And then the rest of the time is is the quote manager for Jackson Lee Racing.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the most important job, right? (laughs) To
2: some people it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably the most fun too, right? uh, Most of the time, you know, but again, I'm not a sales guy. Luckily the people that we work with have become good friends. So that's, that's made it, pretty easy, but I I really don't enjoy calling people and asking them for money. Uh, so it goes back to the approach. I'm not asking them for money. I'm trying to come up with ideas to propose to them how I can make them money. That's I want exactly to do right. something for them, get them more exposure, save them money, make that money. That's the challenge. And I, I'm still learning that part of the business. My next career, maybe driver manager. We'll see. <laughs> You know that's what that's what Peter Rossi has done. He got Alexander right. Rossi to F1 and in IndyCar, right. and now he's managing other young drivers.
1: Well, I, I personally think that that's the way you got to approach it. Is it, you know you got to approach it as what can we do for each other, and yeah. um, and and you know if it doesn't work for both sides, there's really no reason to do it. I, I don't believe. I mean, if somebody's just willing to give you money, nah, okay. But that's few but and far between. Yeah, you can do that few, for five hundred bucks, but right, you know we're right. we're
2: talking, you know, four five hundred thousand dollar budgets even at this level. So right. these are significant commitments at a corporate level.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So Jackson, um, you know, I, like I said, we were just talking a little bit about your approach. Where do you so? And I realize that we don't have a grand plan. But say you say this year goes according to plan and you win races, you run up front, run first, second, into championship. You know, um, do you at that point start looking, okay, we've kind of accomplished what we want to do here and you want to move on? Or, I mean, is that is that kind of the mindset? Or do you say, no, I don't want to move on until I have a championship? I, I mean, kind of how does that, How do you – I mean, I would think after a second year in this series, if you're showing that you can run up front and get the finishes, that you've you've probably done all you can do at this level.
3: Yeah, I think it's all really just budget dependent. Um, If we get to uh, the offseason next year and say I've done really well in the championship but not not quite won it. Um, If we need maybe another year to try and go back and get that – um, get the the scholarship, then that's might be what we have to do. Or maybe we have enough partners excited about uh, the strong championship result that we're able to move up. Um, I think it's all really just budget dependent. Um, I, I would say the only reason that I would want to stay in the USF series is if I'm just struggling and feel, I really need one more year to develop. Um, I hope that's not the case and I don't expect that to be the case. Um, but as, Far as I know, by the end of the year, I'd like to be testing in indie pro cars, but also that's all just do we have the extra funding available for that? So we'll see how it all works out. But you know, the hope is to be driving indie pro cars in the 2023 season.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in and doing the show. Uh, it's been absolutely my pleasure. And uh hopefully we, if you guys don't mind coming back a little bit later in the year and just kind of keep us updated how you're doing and um and I, I just wish you the best of luck. And, Kevin, I've obviously, like so many people I'm sure have told you, I've listened to you for years on the radio and on IndyCar racing. And, and uh, uh, it's just just a pleasure to finally be able to meet you and, and talk to you um, at this level. And Guys, I, I wish you nothing but the best. And I, I really do uh, hope that you get what you want out of this year's season. Thank you. It's been our pleasure.
2: We'd be happy to talk to you again.
1: We appreciate it. Thank you.